Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 11 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, our listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing? I'm great. <laughs> um, today we are watching episode 11. It is titled Gauss with a Magnet. But before we get into that, Dave... Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? You know, Matt, my first star of the week is nothing. That's my first star, is nothing. Uh, it's Saturday as we're recording this. It is the first weekend in a handful of weekends that I have been home and had nothing to do. Uh, it's great. I'm really <laughs> I have been enjoying a very lazy Saturday. Uh, as of yesterday, I had been at work, at school, for 12 days straight because I had a full week of school and then our play was la- – or musical rather. The musical was last weekend and then another full week of school. And so it was just 12 days in a row. It's a lot and um, that is uh, was very – That is too many days. <laughs> it is, man. I was just by the end of it, just done, just dragging. And so I'm doing nothing aside from this. And what better way to relax? And then I'm – yeah, what better way to relax than to record Super Sentai Brothers, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Go Say Sentai Die Ranger. Again, we assume only. Uh, please don't correct us if you somehow find out different. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my first star, Matt, is that I am not doing anything today. It's fantastic. Okay, so the second star this week is that it is full-on winter mode here in Cleveland. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. earlier this week, I think it was maybe two, Monday or Tuesday was a really beautiful day. Oh, it was gorgeous, man. It was like sunny and there was a light breeze. It was like 65, 67 degrees, something like that. Just gorgeous out. Went out for a nice walk, went to the lake. It was great. (laughs) And then. Oh, that's right. Cause you live, ah, you jerk. You live right by the lake, don't you? Oh yeah. I can get to the lake in about a five, 10 minute walk. Oh man. That's no, that's why I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you that that's the case. But yeah, it was beautiful. 60. Yeah. I mean, really gorgeous weather. Um, and then I think it was, was it Thursday? Yeah. Um, well, Thursday evening. Thursday, Thursday evening. evening. Uh, it just, like, a switch flipped, and now it is winter. It snowed, like, a foot, and it was just, like, iron gray skies for two days as the snow just barely stopped coming in. <laughs> oh, I don't think... There was maybe, like, 20 minutes, half an hour on Friday, over on the east side, over on the east, because we get a little more lake effect than you do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. There was maybe half an hour to an hour all day, like, combined, where it was where it wasn't snowing. Some people actually had snow days. Yeah, I heard uh, sort of down south, um, on the south side, they had snow days. Down south, down in Mentor, and um, up in Willoughby, Jenny. Oh, no way. Jenny had, yeah, she had the day off. She, I'm sorry, our friend Jenny is also, a, she's a librarian, sorry, school librarian. And um, yeah, she had this, She had a snow day, man. I was. I looked out the window on Thursday, and I saw the snow coming down, and I thought to myself, I said, maybe just... Just maybe there will be a snow day tomorrow. And then I tried really hard not to think about it. Because if there's one group of people who like snow days more than students, it's teachers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the kids, I tell that to kids, and they're like, no, that can't possibly be true. I'm like, guys, you don't even understand. Well, teenagers <laughs> always think that no one could ever feel anything as strongly as they do. So, Oh, my God. Oh, teenagers is just the worst. That's, I mean, okay. I like teenagers a lot, actually. What did I tell you? Sure, I mean, you sort of have to. You work with them every day. I do. One of my uh, students actually asked me, they're like, do you actually like teenagers? And I said, well, I like teenagers in school. I don't like teenagers, (laughs) like, in the wild. Like, I don't like to just encounter them out and about. Like, if you can put them in a room and make them all sit down in rows, they're okay. Cause they're, they're, right. you've imposed <laughs> right. That's some when sort good. of order on their life. Yeah. When left to their own devices, they're just animals. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. But I mean, uh, again, I, you know, listen, I, I'm, I like teenagers. I myself was a teenager, but I don't know. Yeah. I like teenagers in, in school. 
or in plays, like rehearsals, somewhere where there's something to like give them some structure, but just sort of wandering around. Uh, uh. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it snowed. Everything looks beautiful. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I'm not driving right now, so I don't even have to worry about that. Oh man, actually, sorry. I was gonna, I was gonna say something about snow days, and I, I forgot. Do you know that there are like rituals, like folk rituals, to try to bring on a snow day? Um, no, I don't. I, I did not know this either. And maybe just, you know, nobody we went to school with did this, but I heard kids talking and they were like, oh yeah, there were a handful that I heard. Um, put a white crayon in the freezer. Okay. If, yeah, you put a white crayon in the freezer. If you flush ice cubes down the toilet, that is supposed to bring on a snow day and, uh, sleeping with your pajamas inside out. These are all, and these are like generally accepted things. Yeah, I heard like there were a handful of kids who were like, "Oh yeah, I'm really." Bu-. I even put a white crayon in the freezer, and kids were like, "Oh yeah," and it is. It's like this, you know, it's like a folk ritual that this is a way to bring on a snow day. I'd never heard it before. I I do not even know where to begin with that. Yeah, I don't know what to do with it either. It's just a, it's just a thing. But I think it's really neat. I love encountering sort of small. Stuff like that, where you just never heard of it before. But it was it was really cool. I'll be. I know, right? Uh, okay, so what is our third star of the week, Dave? Third star of the week, Matt. Our friend Bill, who we've known for ages and is part of our sort of weekly gaming group, and who is actually, Matt, I don't know if you know this, is a faithful listener to Super Sentai Brothers. Oh, well, hello, Bill. Yeah, so Bill... Is uh, he's got a real talent for game design. He, I, I'm sure you know this, but he helped design the LARP that we play. And he is right now, and we're playing it and just having fun. He's working on like a homebrewed uh, ad- adaptation of Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons to be played as XCOM, as XCOM, like the alien fighting game, you know, the video game. I, so we are playing <laughs> XCOM as a tabletop RPG. I love that the Dungeon Master's Guide for 5th Edition is not even out yet, and Bill is already, like, chopping it apart and screwing it back together with aliens. (laughs) And, dude, he's doing a really good job, too. We played the first session uh, this past week, and he actually put in... I thought he had had classes written up, up to, like, level 6, and there's, you know, heavies and snipers and support and... Assault. Assault, right. And each class has, like, a number of different things. And then they get, like, at levels, like, 2, 4, and 6, each class has, like, three different choices. So if you're Assault, you can take, what are the, Grenadier, where you get, like, extra grenades, and you always hit if you're in close range. Then you can take, um, what's the other one? Oh, Pistolero, where you're, like, a two-pistol fighter. And then you can take Shotgun Surgeon, which is you uh, you decrease cover. Like if enemies are behind cover, you downgrade the level of their cover. So you can kind of get them with your shotgun. Oh, neat. Yeah, and this is, <laughs> this is really cool. Is that from is Training that Day? The, shotgun Surgeon? Uh, I think Denzel Washington does say, I'm a blankety blank surgeon with this shotgun or i'm surgical with the shotgun or it's something like that but i i don't know that it's like unique i think that that is a the idea that you are like so good with a scatter like a shotgun weapon that you are like surgical with an instrument that is not it's a commonly used phrase within yeah. the shotgunning community is what you're saying within the <laughs> shotgunning community um yeah but it's he, he did a lot it's really neat and Oh, what was I going to say about shotguns? Oh, that shotguns, I'm sorry if we're just, if you have no interest in like game mechanics, I, I am apologizing, but I'm just sharing it with Matt and the rest of the world. But he, um, shotguns, you don't aim or you don't make an attack roll with shotguns. You just fire them and then your enemy has to make a reflex or a dexterity save to not get hit. So it's not like a nice. bow and arrow where you attack. It's like a, it's like a spell. Yeah, you it's know, like, like a cone attack. Save versus fireball. Yeah, it's a cone attack. That's exactly what it is. 
And so you, uh, so I'm an assault, and my first guy, he actually got, he got domed in the first mission. Oh, yeah. He survived. Yeah, he survived, but he is on, like, the wounded list. So I had to make a new guy, and I did not realize quite how deep Bill had gotten, man. Like, he has kind of the whole game converted. Like, he's got a system for, like, building your base and, like, every how many research points you get and how many uh, manufacturing points you get. Oh, he's wow. got the tech tree all worked out. Like, it's really... I thought he'd just kind of like slap this thing together. And knowing Bill, he probably did just like slap it together in the sense that he's super, super good at it and doesn't actually take him a whole long time, uh, which is not to discount the effort that he's putting in because I'm sure it's work. Oh, but sure. It's, it's really deep. I'm super looking forward to playing it. That's totally rad. Yeah. He has hinted actually that there might be psionics and mech suits in the offing, though we have not discovered them yet since we've only played the one session oh i i love i love a good mech suit yeah yeah actually in xcom do you did you play have you played the new xcom dude i didn't even play the old xcom oh man you you seriously you can get xcom enemy within pretty cheap it's on steam for like i don't know not a lot of dollars but it's absolutely worth it and when you get mech suits <laughs> the mech suit guys actually undergo voluntary surgery where they have their arms and legs amputated and replaced with like cyber arms and legs and then when they go to pilot the mech suit they just like take the arms and legs off and just load your torso into the <laughs> mech suit so it's like a giant robot suit with like a dude's head like hanging out on top <laughs> actually um and we should move on from this star pretty shortly. But yeah, I do should. want to mention that that is actually not entirely dissimilar to a couple of Super Sentai series. You, when they undergo voluntary surgery? Yeah. Like, uh, I think it's, um, it happens a few times where they become like cyborg people. Okay. Um, and usually when they're doing that, cause in the Sentai, they're usually fighting either like monsters or aliens. Yeah. And okay. so this was an alien one. Uh, it was the, the second year, which was Jaku, uh, G, or J-A-K-Q, which is, uh, Jack, Ace, King, Queen. Oh, okay. And they were all, like, playing card themed, and they were cyborgs. And so, like, you know, they showed up, and then somebody turned them into a cyborg, and then they had to fight aliens for a year. Um, cool. Jaku was, uh, bananas. I've seen the first episode. In the way that all of those old 70s ones are even more insane than the insane 90s ones that we're watching. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, Jackie's the bomb. Anyway, uh, okay, so that was our third star. Our fourth star is another thing that's completely over the top. Um, Dave, have I talked to you at all about uh, Robert Rodriguez's new wrestling promotion? You gave me like the barest of details over email, but I can already tell you that I am very interested in what you have to say. Okay, so here's the deal. It's called Lucha Underground. We are talking like the Robert Rodriguez, right? Yeah, it's uh the Robert Rodriguez. He is the like owner producer of the L Rate Network, which is where it's uh being aired, and it is beautiful. So here's how it works. It's um it's you know, it's professional wrestling, but it's all filmed very differently than regular professional wrestling. So, like, when they're in the ring, it looks pretty similar, right? But okay. then instead of going to, like, the back room and, like, you know, talking backstage, they just cut to, like, a short, like, pre-filmed thing that's just filmed like a, like a movie. So, like, they'll go back to, like, the evil promotion owner's office, and it nice. is just, like, a scripted drama about... <laughs> You know, how he oh, is going man. to, like, bring in, like, this ringer to destroy uh, Blue Demon Jr., but if he fails, like, a thousand deaths may be coming for them all. Well, okay, so they, I mean, they're all in Lucha Masks, right? Um, A lot of them are in Lucha Masks. Okay, um, but not... Like, the main Dude. event was between um Prince Puma, who is a new sort of character to this promotion, although he is a guy who had been bouncing around in the uh, indies for a while. Um, okay. I think he was in Shikara, and then he was in um, uh, PWG, which is, or, yeah, PWG, which is Pro Wrestling Gorilla, I think, which is out in um, Los Angeles. Um, right. But the uh, but the guy he was fighting was an ex-WWE guy, who in WWE was John Morrison, and now he's Johnny Mundo or whatever. 
Um, so Dude, Prince Puma was that. wearing yeah. a mask. Uh, Johnny Mundo was not. So it was sort of it went back and forth. Um, but it is great. It is high flying, uh, electrifying pro wrestling. And if that is the sort of thing you like, um, I definitely it's, recommend. I it. love that sort of thing. Um, and, and anything produced by Robert Rodriguez is kind of gold. I just, I was really hoping that you were telling me that when they like cut away, that what we were going to see is that like they, you know, the wrestler is like lives in hell and there's all sorts of like, it's Robert Rodriguez. No, they didn't Have live in seen... hell, but here's the thing is that they open the show by talking about the history of Lucha Libre. And Dave, I don't actually know anything about the history of Lucha Libre, but according to Lucha little. Underground, the history goes back to like, the six ancient Aztec tribes who would wear like the masks of their spirit animals to fight a, and for like the favor of the gods and then behead each other afterwards. Matt, if that is not the actual history of Lucha Libre, I don't want to know what the history. I'm I'm going. <laughs> and with so that Prince one. Puma, that is my, is not just a guy in a jaguar mask. He is a descendant of the ancient of like jaguar tribe. <laughs> the jaguar tribe and the blood burns oh, within man. him. Oh, dude, we we might need to start a second podcast. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, have you ever seen pictures of Robert Rodriguez's house? No. Like he did like a cribs or something equivalent. Like he let people in his house and like let, showed them around. Um, he has the best house. It's just like it is like wall to wall, like insane movie memorabilia on a scale of someone. On, like, a Robert Rodriguez scale. You know what I mean? It's just... He's got, like, a full-sized statue of, like, a xenomorph from Alien. Just, like, in his dining room or something. I don't even know. Um, It looks super amazing. He's just... He's super cool. I want to, like, meet him and shake his hand. And then leave and, like, let him be... I don't know. But he's so cool. Um, That sounds amazing. I want to watch it. You know who else has a house like that is um, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, you know what? I, I might actually be thinking of his house. I might actually be thinking of del Toro's house. Oh, yeah. Uh, dude, hop online, pull up some pictures of del Toro's house because it is bananas. Like, I think there's a room in his house where it's just always raining. Dude, maybe. Oh, yeah. No, I'm absolutely thinking of Guillermo del Toro's house. Okay. Well, I am sure that um, I am sure that Robert Rodriguez also has a super cool house. Dude, he seems like a really cool. Guy I cannot well. imagine a wrestling promotion owned by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I think I was okay. I was a little bit conflating the two, which is why I was assuming that like the wrestlers were going to actually be living in hell. Okay. Um, I'm also excited about a Robert Rodriguez thing. I think I would actually be more excited if it was Guillermo del Toro. Um, well, let's, you know, get in touch with his people, I guess. <laughs> let's, Guillermo del Toro, you should probably start a wrestling thing. Um, um, dude, the, the thing that's nuts to me is that Super Sentai has been around for like 37 years, and to my knowledge, uh-huh. there has never been a year where they're all luchadors. Wow, really? I don't think so. That there's like, like a really, there's like five different series where they're dinosaur themed. And as far as I can tell, there's not a luchador one, which blows my mind because it would be perfect. Yeah. Like they're already like really wearing low hanging fruit. There's already like a huge, like, you know, mythology around it. It would be amazing, but they just haven't done it yet. Yeah. No, like I said, I mean, that really seems like very low hanging fruit. And I'm going to say yet because I feel like that can't go on forever. Like, Someday we will get our luchador sentai team, and on that day, I will know that the world is a good and beautiful place. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so that's uh, Lucha Underground is Star Four. Dave, what is Star Five? Star Five is Thanksgiving, Matt. Oh yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah, it's this weekend or this not weekend. It's this Thursday, and it's gonna be great. I love things. I love Thanksgiving. Love it. I know that uh, some people don't like Thanksgiving. Um, I, you know, maybe they don't. What I hear about Thanksgiving is uh, a lot is that, <laughs> is that people are like, I hate Thanksgiving because I got to hang out with my family. And you and I have talked about this before, is that we actually have a little bit of like survivor's guilt, I think is maybe the easiest way to say it. Yeah, we actually have a rad family. Yeah, our family is great. Like, I love hanging out with our parents. I love hanging out with our little sister. Um our cousins and aunts and uncles are all like pretty rad. 
So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Thanksgiving. Now, of course, uh, this Thanksgiving, mom and dad are still in, mom and dad are in Sweden. Yeah, and Katie's, and Katie's still in, in South, South, South Korea, but. Sorry, our little sister's name is Katie, and she lives in, our, she lives in South Korea because she teaches English. So she lives there, and then our parents live in Sweden. We're not Swedish. Our dad, Jatim, I mean, no judgment NASA. if you're Swedish. That's fine. Yeah, no. Live Sweden your life however you want. a cool place by all accounts. Um, but our dad worked for NASA for a lot of years, and now he works in Sweden design. I think it's a particle collider or something. It is some manner Sweden. of particle accelerator that he has explained to me like 10 different times, and I and have I still, failed to understand at least 10 different times. Yeah, I still don't understand it. But so it's just it's you and Beth and me, and uh, we have some friends coming over. We always try to, you know, if people don't have any place to go for Thanksgiving, we always like to have them over. So we have kind of a full house. But I'm, just, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's turkey and stuffing. The stuffing. It'll be great. It'll be so the good. The best the best stuffing. I know that you, the listener, might think that you have access to the best stuffing. But I just want to inform you. I hate you. to tell you. I'm, I hate to tell you. And I'm telling you because I care about you. You're important right. to us. <laughs> um, you're wrong, and you should continue in your quest to find the best stuffing, which is our stuffing. Yeah, you know, and I wish we could say that it had been, like, invented by Grandma. She just got the recipe from, like, I, I'm not kidding. I think it was from, like, a newspaper. Really? But uh, Yeah, like a news, but it, like, back in the 60s or something. And so she just, she found it. And I think she's, like, tweaked it a little bit, but it's the best stuffing we have had this confirmed by multiple like non-family sources. People show up and they're like, oh, like my ex, you know, my grandma's or my mom's stuffing is the best. And we always smile like a, like a, like a wise, like a vuncular smile. Sure. A knowing like, That's smile. That's wonderful. A knowing smile. Thank you, Matt. And we serve them our stuffing and they're like, this is really good. So, so up your stomach, will game, be people. Come on. Yeah. So that, Matt, that seemed, I don't know, man. That seemed like a unnecessarily confrontational. We want to welcome people. Welcome people into the fold. I'm just trying to encourage them, Dave. <laughs> Light a fire under them. <laughs> but anyway, so that is going to be stuffing and uh, stuffing and turkey and mashed potatoes and all of those good things. I'm really looking forward to it. I love Thanksgiving. And then after that is Christmas. It's only like a month till Christmas, which is also super cool. Okay, so that's it for the five stars. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to watch episode 11, and we will be right back with you. Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 11 of Gosei's Sentai Die Ranger, Gauss with a Magnet. So, Dave, do you want to hit us with a quick recap of the episode? Certainly. As the title implies, this the this week's villain, rather, is magnet-themed, and uh, Shoji finds love in this Question episode. Mark? Question mark? Finds love in this episode. So, magnets and Shoji finds love. And then they beat the monster, obviously. Which is a, it's a cool monster this week. Love and explosions. That also sounds like a good title for a podcast. Sounds like a good title for this podcast, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, so we open up Shoji. We see Shoji. This is a very Shoji-centric episode. And we see him, and he has like a sweatsuit on, and he's running uh, training because he's a boxer, if you may, if you recall. And so he is training, trying to get better, which I admire uh, even though it seems futile, I admire that he is working hard. Okay, but here's something that's slightly less admirable. Okay. So we see Shoji running around, and he's sort of shadow boxing, and he stops because there's a guy who I guess we're meant to assume is just an acquaintance of Shoji's, who rides by on a bike, is like, hey, Shoji, been seeing you, you know, around recently, getting your, you know, getting your jog on. And Shoji replies with, yeah, sometimes when I jog, good things happen. <laughs> and he looks up and he sees, you know, those like fish eye mirrors that are on corners that you can see like what's coming from either angle. Yeah. He looks up and in that he sees a young lady who is also jogging. And at this point, it becomes evident, at least to me, I don't know if you got the same thing, that he is not just out for a jog. He is out for a jog <laughs> because he knows that this girl he has a crush on is also out for a jog. And yeah, so, so, like, she turns the corner, he heads, like, fixes his hair and heads after her. Yeah, ulterior motives to his jog. I'm mean, still getting fit, so, you know, it's not right. all bad, but, but... You know, hey. 
So they um so he meets he kind of jogs into this girl and he's like, Oh hey, we've been meeting each other a lot recently. And she What a coincidence. Right. I've been kind of stalking you. So this is totally crazy that we keep running into each other. And so she I don't even know what she said. She didn't really say anything. She just kind of looks like a little bit like down in the mouth, you know? Yeah. And Shoji, kind of out of nowhere, launches into this like motivational speech as though they're like really good friends. Like, hey, yeah, life he is goes a like full punch. Tony Robbins. Yeah, like life is a one two punch, and you gotta. Now that I know that he already kind of has a crush on this girl, his like inane babbling makes a lot more sense. Like, you just, you know, when you're talking to a girl you really like, and you just kind of. You just kind of lose it. That's what's happening to Shoji here, I think. He's just like desperately trying to think of something to say. Or, like, hey, or I, I know things are bad, but you've got to, you know, box your box problems, right? <laughs> so he's either desperately trying to come up with something to say, or he has already rehearsed this like a dozen times. And he's just like, uh, it's not relevant, but this is what I got. And he just goes for it. <laughs> I only know two things, monster fighting and boxing. And she probably doesn't want to hear about the monster fighting. She doesn't care about the coma. So let's stick with boxing. So they, and then he leaves. Like it just cuts away. So we don't know if there's any, uh, you know, there's no resolution to that conversation. It just cuts. Well, she seems interested in the boxing. Oh, that's right. And says, hey, like, can you tell me about boxing? And that's where it cuts. And Shoji is on cloud nine. So we cut back to the murder basement. So he's just hanging out. And Shoji is feeling great. Hold, like, just really feeling good about himself. He's kind of, like, lounging. And he's like, guys, you know, I recognize it must be tough to have such, like, a glorious stud around. I feel bad about I don't know why the ladies are so into me, you know? Yeah, just, I can't, guys, I can't hold it in. I can't hold it in. It just, it oozes out. I offered to punch away your sadness, and now, for now and forever, we are in love. (laughs) Yeah. So he calls him, he actually calls himself Bullet Shoji. That's how he uh, introduces himself to this girl. Every boxer has a great title. Right. And he says, Oh, I can even, Bullet Shoji can even punch away sadness. That's what he says. (laughs) And then, when he he must have also told Sh- uh, Ryu and Kazu this because he says they both say at the same time punch away sadness more like they don't know whether to laugh or cry and then they turn to each other and they're like ah so it clearly this was not like a planned moment they just both wanted to insult Shoji the same way at the exact same moment so like they jinx on insulting their teammate and friend. They're super in sync. Not necessarily when they're fighting the Goma, but when they're mocking Shoji, those two are on point. (laughs) They are right there with each other. And then Shoji, all my notes say, I should have put more detail. All my notes say is Shoji, Shoji holds up a little bit. So I think he does something that's like really, oh no, he says from now until forever, like we are eternal beloveds or something like that. Yeah, okay, so the thing to take away from this scene is that the moment Shoji gets any attention from a woman, he becomes a huge pain. He's just like this huge braggart who is just talking up a storm about how great he is all the time forever. And not only how great he is, but how their love is eternal. (laughs) Shoji. Just, you know, man, just back it up. I feel like he is heading for, you know, he's heading for heartbreak. That's maybe a little too much. A little too much too soon, Shoji. Uh, but be that as it may, I wish Shoji luck. Uh, and then we jump to scene two. That's kind of the end. We see Shoji like posing and then it cuts away. And what we see is a dude who is dressed like a priest, like a, like a Christian priest. Uh, but yeah, he's like Japanese. A Catholic priest. Yeah. Thank you, Catholic priest. And, uh, as he is, uh, but he's Japanese and he's walking down the street. And I just get a huge kick out of the fact that for Japan, Christianity is like this strange, exotic religion. Uh, because every once in a while you run into this in anime too. And they will start talking about Christianity. And it's really clear that they know as much about Christianity as, you know, like the average kind of Westerner knows about 
you know, I'm just gonna, like Hinduism or Buddhism or something. And just like, yeah, man, like yin and yang and like everything is in balance and like blah, blah, blah. Like we actually know very little about it because you're not. Oh, yeah, we're completely part clueless. of that faith. Right. And so they're just like, yeah, he's a priest. He's got like a crucifix on. It's not really important. Because it is. He wanders around town preaching to people, I guess. Although he never actually does that. Although he is accused of wanting to do it. That's as close as we ever get. It does not matter at all that he is dressed like a priest. Like it never comes up. They never reference it. He could be dressed as like a surfer and have the exact same impact on the story it's just completely pointless but he is i just get a big kick out of the fact that it's like this weird exotic thing for you know people who themselves are kind of weird and exotic uh, oh i'm just sorry i was just going to clarify that that was a joke uh have you ever read rudyard kipling's um oh shoot what is the name of the poem first of all i love rudyard kipling and he was a great writer but he was he was really 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 racist uh, he does, if you don't believe me, these get published very infrequently because people do not like to kind of go back and think this about Rudyard Kipling, but look up the poem, uh, The White Man's Burden. I'm going to say that again, The White Man's Burden. And if you've and never read it, it's as bad as it sounds. It's it's just as bad as it sounds. And then there is another, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a children's poem. And it's written from the perspective of like a British schoolboy who is speaking to like foreign, you know, what if you are British are like foreign children. And the only line that I can remember, uh, there's a handful of lines I remember. The one line he says, oh, little Turk or Japanese, oh, don't you wish that you were me? And so he just straight out of the box is like, don't you wish that you were British? Wouldn't that be so much better? And he does say some line about, like, it must be fun to eat, like, weird exotic foods, but it's nice to be – it's it's better to live at home. And by at home, what he means is in England. Right. Like, not your home. Not my your home. home. Just home, where, where everyone should want to have their home, which is, of course, England. Like, it must be nice – it must be fun and interesting to live in, like, a strange, exotic place, but don't you really wish that you could just live at home – and be fed on proper meats. And be fed. That's what it is. And I am fed on proper meat is what the kid says. So Rudyard Kipling is hella racist. And so Yeah, it's like, you know, a- uh, like the Do They Know It's Christmas Time at All song? It's like oh, that, yeah. but for, wow. you know, an earlier time. Man, if you have never listened to that song, you should also listen. It's the ex- but it's not. I mean, it is from an earlier time, of course, but it's the exact same attitude. Oh, yeah. Um, both of them masquerading, by the way, as very like, like, oh, we should, we should really be helpful. Uh, do they even know it's Christmas? Oh, dude, I can't, I could talk about this literally all day. <laughs> and so we okay. should stop and get back to Die Ranger, cause I'll, I'll gab about this for ages. So, we see the monster, whose name is, um, I don't remember what it is in Japanese, but they call him the Magnet Priest. So I guess there is some reference to the fact that he's dressed as a priest. But really just and in the he name. Does, yeah, just in the name. But he is, um, although he could have just been like a Japanese priest. So I don't know what's up with that. But anyways, uh, he does do like a Pokemon style thing where he says to Gauss at the end of all of his sentences. Yeah, it's like how Snarf always ends every sentence by saying his own name. That's what yeah. the Magnet Priest does. But yeah. Oh, God, Snarf was the worst. So he's walking around and he's got this big magic wand thing. Which does not match his priest outfit at all. It's like half red, yeah. half blue. It has an N on one side and an S on the other. Like North and South Poles, it is his like magical magnet wand. Yeah, and he just sort of, he wanders around just saying NS, NS, NS all the time. Never actually says North or South, just no, says at no point NS in the episode. over and over again. Yeah, never. And, and so they get to this bridge, uh, and there's a happy couple walking across the bridge. And uh, it is yeah, not magnet Shoji. priest. Right. <laughs> it's not Shoji. But Magnet Priest sees them, and what we find out his wand can do is he can, he can like, charge things. He just kind of, like, pokes them with the end of the wand, and they either attract or repel each other. So he, like, hits the happy couple both with an N, and they're, like, hurled away from each other over the sides of this bridge. They don't – they catch themselves. They don't, like, fall sort off the of bridge, the, but they are yeah, hurled away. The, the guy sort of goes over and is hanging off the ledge. The girl goes to save him, and then he – 
the magnet priest like sticks her to a sign that's sitting oh, on the yeah, that's right. bridge, and then he just walks away, and I don't know, they both die or something. <laughs> Man, maybe. Uh, but as he is, and then it cuts, and then we see Shoji and Rin, and they are walking, like they're walking along, just like up some stairs, and Shoji is saying to Rin, like, oh, you've got to help me pick a present for whatever this girl's name is. I wrote it down. It's uh, it's Natsumi. Natsumi, thank you. So he says, you got to help me pick a present for Natsumi to like show her my love and I want to like get like the perfect thing because we're going to be together forever. And like, so you're he... the only one who can help me. So I guess Shoji, <laughs> like she is literally the only like lady that Shoji knows. <laughs> and so, but Magna Priest thinks they're a couple. So he tags Shoji with an N and like he goes to get Rin, but she's sort of like inadvertently, she doesn't notice, but he, she like dodges out of the way, just like inadvertently. And so he's like, ah, crap. Okay, uh, here's a weird thing about this scene, Dave, before we move on from it. And I just want to cover this. Um, yeah. He, we will find out in a moment that the Magnet Priest has just come from an ice cream stand. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is where Shoji and Ren are on their way to. But the Magnet Priest's face is just covered in ice cream. <laughs> right. It, it's like <laughs> grotesque. Like just, he has this mustache and it's just dripping ice cream. And I do not know like if that actor made a choice like oh yeah, we're this is going down or if the director was like okay, um hey magnet priest, hey could you come over here for a second? I got a real I uh, got a quick note for you. Listen, <laughs> I know you're eating the ice cream, but we want to make it very clear that you're eating it. So why don't you just like smush it all up in there? <laughs> He, um, and also what's weird to me is that they walk right past, like, this strange kind of cackling priest holding, like, a bizarre magic wand and do not pay any attention to him. Yeah, I mean, at Shoji least we Rin, know that, that like, Shoji has Natsumi on the brain, but Rin should be paying attention, if nothing else. Yeah, and they just walk right by this guy, pay him absolutely no attention. And so... And so he's irritated, but he doesn't do anything at the moment. And Rin and Shoji walk up. The scene sort of shifts a little bit to this ice cream stand, which you mentioned. And he sees Natsumi. He's like, Natsumi, blah, blah, blah. And he tries to run over to her. Unbeknownst to Shoji, she has also been hit with the N. And so he, like, as he is running towards her, she's getting launched back away from him. He eventually launches her into a wall where she gets knocked out. And then Rin figures it out before Shoji does and she's like no Shoji you stay here and she goes over and like checks that the girl is okay and she I guess is you know ultimately fine because we see her up and about pretty shortly yeah um and then I think that's really oh no no no. then it it constant you see the magnet priest and he's sort of like randomly messing with people and Gara shows up commander Gara of the Goma command shows up and she's like yes magnet priest this is good work Making people stay away from each other. Their pain and suffering. I, she said something like, their pain and suffering will make them die. Uh, they will burn in the fires of grief and die. <laughs> I'm glad you cut that line down, Matt. As far as I can tell, the Goma don't actually have like a plan. All their plans just seem to revolve around like, like inflicting suffering. Yeah, that's on the weird people. thing. Like I've mentioned before that I've watched a few of the other series and in particular I've watched, uh, Samurai Sentai Shinkenger. Yeah. And in Shinkenger, they do this sort of thing to cause suffering because, like, the point of the villains is that they're trying to create enough suffering to, like, raise the level of this, which is of basically what is, like, their river sticks. That, like, the level of that river is based entirely on the amount of human tears. And so they want to, like, raise that river okay. up so they can use it to, like, flood into like our world right yeah so that, no, makes that makes sense like sense. they have these completely insane plans that are just designed around making people sad but like it actually makes sense but in this like there's no real reason for the magnet priest to be doing any of this there doesn't seem to be a reason for anybody to do anything any of the goma to actually do any of the things that they do it just seems to be to make people miserable and there's never any explanation past that which As I guess why. is, you know, fine. You know, they've got, you know, they've got their own hobbies. We do too. 
Yeah. I just, it doesn't, like, I want there to be, like, a greater motivation behind the go. But, like, in Shinkenji, you were telling me that that makes a lot of sense. They just, there's no backstory for the Goma. They're just here to be jerks, I guess. Magic we know, jerks. We don't really know. Magic jerks. So, anyways, um, but we see, oh, uh, but then Magnet Priest transforms and we see his, like, super form, I guess. And he looks pretty cool. He's got, like, some magnet themed, like, I think it's actually Gaussian field lines or something. Like, yeah, and his, his head chest. is, like, this big horseshoe magnet with yeah, an eye like- in it. So Shoji and Rin show up, and oh, that's right. This is great. So the magnet priest looks up at them, and they're sort of like up on this hill. And he says, "Who are you guys?" And Rin and Shoji rather responds by saying, "We're the strongest people on earth. That's we right. are invincible." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I feel like Shoji should be in love more often because when he is, he is like. He is not that weird, like, selfish, cowardly Shoji that we've seen earlier. Like, when he actually starts to care about something, Shoji goes from zero to 11, like, immediately. Yeah, man. He is ready, ready to go. So they aura change. They jump down. They start to fight. But Shoji, as we saw earlier, was tagged with the wand. And so he's been magnetized. (laughs) Right. And he's fighting the magnet dude, and so he just gets thrown around. Yeah, because he has, like, the wand comes with him. Like, the wand also transforms. Oh, I'm sorry, with, uh, you know, magnet priest. Yeah, it transforms from, like, a magic wand thing to, like, a giant fighting staff. Yeah, and so he just, like, knocks the stuffing out of him. Like, not even, kind of not even trying Throws him through a park bench, throws him through a billboard. A lot of throwing. A lot of throwing going on in Shoji's world at this moment. And so he actually, he gets knocked out of Aura Change. Rin runs over, helps him out. And I think they, oh, no, 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 they don't run. Magnet Priest, like, teleports out. So he leaves. But not like the tactical retreat running away. The, frankly, more common in Dire Ranger... Like, I am disregarding you as a threat, and there's no reason for me to stay teleport away. <laughs> yeah, just later. So then the scene changes, and then we're in Murder Basement. And Shoji is looking real down. Yeah, as, very bad as about up as he was last time we saw him in the Murder Basement, he is that far down now. Yeah, he really, like, he goes way back and forth. Like, Shoji does not know how to, like, kind of keep it in the middle. He is either real up or real down. And so he's just, he's like, oh, like, I can't believe we lost. Like, I'm so useless. All of this stuff. Kaku comes over and he lays some, like, some crap line on Shoji. Well, what he says is like, well, once you're magnetized by this guy, he can, like, blow you away or attract you. And, like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you are screwed. So you need to find a way to use that to your advantage. And it's just like, man, Kaku, just just say what you want to say. Like, just come out here and say what you mean. You know? Which actually is, okay, I'm going to give Kaku a little slack on that. When you're trying to teach people to do something, you don't want to just come right out and say it, because then they don't figure it out on their own. So maybe, you know, maybe I should give Kaku a little more credit. At least this time, he's not berating them first. Right. At least this time, he's trying to lead them to the solution that they can discover on their own, rather than just handing it to them, which is yeah. actually I pretty mean, good I mean, last pedagogy. time he pulled Shoji aside for a one-on-one, he, like, took him into a secret room of the murder <laughs> basement and attacked just him, him with a bunch of pendulums. <laughs> so this is actually pretty good. I'm going to give Kaku credit on this one. I was initially dubious, but I've as I think about it, he actually does a pretty good job as their teacher sensei here. So, um, so that scene ends. Like, that's all we see. The Rangers kind of leave. But then we see Shoji back at the ice cream shop where Natsumi works. And there's nobody there. And so he kind of goes, he's like poking around. He goes in the back and he sees her locker that had, you know, like with her locker. And hanging from it is a little stuffed boxer. Like with a little blue boxer shorts. guy with blue shorts, which is what Shoji wears. So maybe, you know, maybe Shoji's not the only one moving fast here. Maybe Natsu is actually, you know, this is a thing. She's into him. 
so that's nice. That's nice for Shoji. I hope that, you know, we're getting good vibes, getting good vibes from Natsumi as far as Shoji is concerned. And so Shoji, who is uh, very encouraged by the fact oh, that yeah, he, she has gone like, out to, like, buy a plush doll in his likeness. Right. You know what I will say about Shoji? I know I talk a lot of smack on Shoji. What I will say, Shoji has a great smile. He's got a great smile. When Shoji smiles, like, he smiles with his whole face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just, his whole body smiles. He's got a great, he's very energetic in his smiling. So he comes Terrible out. Terrible teeth. Great ter- smile. Yeah, does not have great teeth. But comes out, feels great. Said, like, you know, I'm going to go look for Natsumi. And then the scene changes again, right? There's nothing else in that. There's nothing else in that scene, is there? No, no, no. I think that's the commercial break. Okay, right on. So then it cuts back. And we see Shoji on a bike. He's on his, like, dirt bike. Not his ranger dirt bike. His regular dirt bike. Yeah, his regular dirt bike, I guess. And we see a car and a guy who cannot stop. Yeah. And Natsumi is running in front of this car. And uh, we see, remember, that she has already been marked with the N. And we see that the hood of the car has been marked with the S. So it's not actually driving. It's just being drawn toward her at dangerous speeds and so shoji like comes up on the bike and he is he like zooms past the car and he's like talking to not no, no no he doesn't zoom past the car oh that's right he jumps he he revs up his bike and he jumps over the car there's no ramp <laughs> He doesn't, like, right. ride up on the sidewalk. He just revs the bike and jumps over a car. That's right. Kind of out of nowhere. It doesn't explain how he does it, but he just launches himself over. So he's, But now he's next to Natsumi. And then he says, like, Natsumi, like, I will save you. So he has clearly figured, he's kind of figured the north-south thing out. And yeah, he says, like, he looks at the S on the car and he looks at the N on Natsumi. And he says, okay, here's what's going to happen. Like, you jump to the side, and I will draw the car away from here. And she's like, oh, you're crazy. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry. I am immortal. That's right. He does say that. This is actually a really cool, this is a good moment for Shoji. He really kind of hero modes this moment. Does a great job. He And that she does. She dives to the side. And Shoji, like, uh, you know, he sort of manages to draw the car onto him. And then he drives away. He does a couple more jumps with yep. no ramp. Like, oh, you know where we, you know where he gets back to, Dave. And it's uh, a place we actually haven't seen in a few episodes. Here, wait, just a second, Matt. Let's give the listeners three seconds to guess. So, in three seconds, you just yell out where you think he ends up, and we'll tell you if you're right. Okay, so Dave, answer in three, two, one. An abandoned warehouse. That's where he ends up. So an abandoned warehouse full of empty boxes. <laughs> so he goes into the warehouse, gets a little bit ahead of just, again, man. He doesn't just drive in. He just launch his bike in Knight Rider style, like turbo boost mode. Yeah, it's it's really thrilling. Um, it made no sense in Knight Rider either. Like turbo boost just meant like jumping somehow. I, I think the how. only time that it's ever made sense was in Speed Racer. Well, in Speed actually, Racer, there was at least, see. like, uh, yeah, there was, like, a spring that would pop out underneath the car. Yeah, and, like, launches the car up. That makes a ton of sense. But in Knight Rider, you just turbo mode, and it goes faster. Dang, Knight Rider was a fun show, though. It's on Hulu. whole thing. Is it? No kidding. I was looking through all the TV shows that were on Hulu, and they've got a lot of, like, really good shows. And then they've also got, like, the full run of Major Dad. You know what else they have a lot of on Like, Hulu? if you wondered what happened to Major Dad, or, like, if you thought that you were crazy and Im- had imagined the fact that it existed, because... The whole thing was a fever dream. Because, <laughs> like, it frankly shouldn't have. Like, you can just <laughs> go on Hulu Plus and watch, like, I don't know, a couple of seasons, I think, of Major Dad. Dude, um, Hulu also has, for some reason, a bunch of Korean dramas. They've got a whole section for Korean dramas. Yeah, and I don't know... Why? Like, I can't... There's not dramas from anywhere else, and there are just a ton of Korean dramas. Like, there might be as many Korean shows on Hulu as there are American shows. It's it's bizarre. 
You know what they took off of Hulu, though, Matt, I think, hmm. is uh, Lone Star. Lone Star? I don't yeah. remember Lone Star. Did I never tell you about Lone Star? I actually, I discovered Lone Star later, and I'll be really quick because I know that I'm sort of rambling here. But Lone Star is a, um, he's a space cowboy, right? Okay, I like where this is going so far. Yeah, he's a space Native American cowboy, and he can, like, call on, like, ancestral nature spirits to, like, give himself, like, temporary superpowers. Why not? Yeah, he's got a mechanical horse called like big tex or something but the mechanical horse what's up yeah the mechanical horse can also transform into like like an a mechanical anthro he's like a cyber horse he's like a cyborg horse he's not like totally mechanical but he can transform into like an anthropomorphic horse with like a giant like a lightning blunderbuss and okay yeah and he fights a villain dude it's it's crazy. I think the villain like uses the evil powers of like dude, I don't even know. It's real crazy. You should absolutely try to find some. Um it's a ton of fun. Okay, so <laughs> where were we even? How did we get from wherever to um, like half horse, half cop, all horse cop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. So Shoji is in a warehouse oh right the car is chasing him he jumps over some boxes the car crashes through the boxes and then he like does like a sick like like hard break right in front of a pole and the car can't stop in time and it runs into the pole and then it explodes as though it was somehow like packed with tnt like it doesn't just crash it it, yeah it explodes like like dirino hit it with a sword and then he, uh, and then you see Shoji, and he just like he literally just almost gives like a thumbs up to the camera. He's like, "Yeah!" Like looking directly into I the camera it. with the explosion going on in the background. I do have one tiny problem with this moment, Matt. What's is that? That it like the car itself. It wasn't like it was a a car like a remote controlled car that was chasing him. It was just a magnetized car that was being drawn towards him. So, re- by all rights, what should be happening right now is that Shoji should be being chased by like a cloud of burning shrapnel. Because <laughs> I don't see why it would stop being attacked, attracted to him. It, it, I mean, it isn't, obviously. But yeah, by all rights, there should be a cloud of flaming shrapnel just like hurtling at Shoji from all directions. Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay. But that's the end of that scene. Shoji, again, like. Luckily you for know, Shoji, that is the end of that scene. Right. And so then we see it cuts to an industrial park. So we were in a warehouse, there was an industrial park. Uh, Magnet Priest is wreaking havoc. People are being attracted and repelled to all sorts of various things. The bucket gets thrown on a woman's head. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I, I love that you love the bucket. While we were watching, folks, Matt actually said, Oh, the bucket is about to come up. Watch and for the sure bucket. Enough, it did. And she <laughs> just see this woman and the bucket lands on her head. And then you just see her like pumping the bucket up and down as though pretending to try and get it off um the bucket is a great moment uh the bucket we might come back to the bucket during highlights <laughs> so, so wherever this industrial park is uh it's not far away from where shoji is because he like he shows up very shortly he's there and he sees the magnet priest and he kind of calls him out just rolls up and himself. hits him in the face with his motorcycle oh that's right and he says, like, something, 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 you'll never defeat this warrior of love, which I think is a great title for Joji to give himself. <laughs> Dude, this is, I think this is uh, title number two, because he's got Bullet Shoji. Bullet Shoji, right? the warrior, warrior of love. Maybe it's all one thing, like Bullet Shoji, comma, the warrior of love. It's got a nice ring to it. I, it actually does. So the other rangers do show up, though. They are... You know, and they're already aura changed, and they're like, Shoji, we're here. And he's like, great, guys. And then he aura changes. And then they go through this whole 
they do like their whole like big pose. Yeah, they all introduce themselves themselves. individually. They do the pose, and then it cuts back to the magnet priest. I I love this moment. And he's like, you know, I know you guys are my enemies, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I... (laughs) I have this, like, in my head canon, all the Goma just think that the Rangers are, like, super, super cool. Because it comes up sort of a lot. Yeah, like, this is not infrequent. They're like, we said it before, like, one of the guys was like, no fair, like, you guys are too cool. And this happens, like, yeah, again, it happens pretty frequently. Um, and actually, here's here's where word it fits into my head canon is that, you know how, whenever you're watching these shows and you think, like, why does the monster always wait until they've finished, you know... Announcing themselves, transforming, summoning their robots, combining them into a big thing. Like, why does the robot always, like, stand there and wait for it to happen? And I think in Die Ranger, the reason is that the Goma are just really excited to see it. They're like, okay, I know this is a bad idea, but I've just gotta see it happen. I've heard such <laughs> cool things about it. <laughs> right, like, we just can't stop. Okay, <laughs> okay. And so he's like... Are those really cool guys? But then he, um, Magnet Priest, like, throws his staff at the Rangers and he marks them all with an N. <sighs> oh no. So and, can't get, and then, uh, yeah. like a bunch of idiots, they try to run back together and get repulsed, of course. Well, maybe they don't, they don't notice somehow. But yeah, they do. They absolutely get repulsed and they're like, oh man, we can't use, like, the Kiryoku bomber or the key bomber or whatever it is. Like, we can't use our special attack if. Because we have we to get together. all like be standing next to each other to do it. What are we gonna do? And then Shoji, Shoji has, has a great idea. Yeah, he has like a flashback moment. He sees Kaku saying like, "You have to use his power against him," and he's like, he says like the smallest of things. He's like, "Everybody line up," and then Kazu's like, "What? Oh yeah, I get it." And then with no further prompting at all. They the all rangers, yeah, they line, line up. up, um, sort of like standing each in front of the other. They hold up their arms like they're all the first part of someone doing YMCA, yeah. And then Shoji, and like, and they really clearly, it seems as though they practiced this, although that is impossible. Like, there was no conceivable way in which this would have happened. They all know exactly what to do, and they have and so, a technique which is named. Well, no, no, no. He actually, it's not named yet. Shoji says, I, I call this, like, the linear Ken. The linear Ken. And so he, like, gets a running start, jumps over, jumps over the top of them, and literally uses the other rangers like a railgun. Yeah. Sort of. It's so, amazing. Like, yeah. He hovers over them because they're repelling each other. And l- uses them to launch himself at the Magnet Priest. And then <laughs> there's an exposition. The exposition, you know, the narrator comes back in. And what does he call it? Linear Ken, right? Yeah. And he's like, Linear Ken is a powerful technique. We're like, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> just the way he says it, he's like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. It's like, God, they literally just invented this. Like, this has never existed before right now. Nor will it ever again. Like, this is a one-time thing. You know, unless... Well, I don't know. Maybe the Goma are super old. Maybe the original Rangers fought Magnet Priest and did this... And invented the same move. I don't know. And so the narrator is like... That's sort of a stretch. Because that also assumes that the narrator (laughs) is 6,000 years old. Well, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, he is a secret member of the team that is always standing off camera. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he, so Shoji launches himself, fires himself, really, at Magnet Priest, lands a solid hit, and then Magnet Priest is like, what? Enlarging bomb, which I think we all saw coming. And then this is just what I have in my notes. I have an arrow pointing upwards, indicating growth. I have an explosion okay. indicating the death of the monster because there's also a skull and crossbones and then an arrow pointing down showing that they get back to normal size. <laughs> Which basically, like, you could talk a little bit more about this fight. Like, 
they get a big magnet thrown at them, which you think is going to be a problem, and then they just punch the magnet and it falls into two pieces. Yeah, Dyrano does not care at all. Yeah, like at this point, Dyrano is still pretty new, and he is like just way tougher than anything he comes across. Yeah, he definitely like they leveled up before everyone else did. Dyrano is cruising through these other low level villains. So, and and then I mean that's basically it. Like they they beat Dyrano. Um, although I do appreciate there is one thing is that they don't even bother with like their separate forms anymore. They're like, oh, we have Dyrano now. Just jump. Just do that. Just just Dyrano immediately. Yeah, which is what they do. Um, and then I have to, I I have a feeling this dude uses magnetism, magnet priest. He uses magnetism very much in the same way that like Magneto does, but like old school say, Silver Age Magneto, where like just anything yeah. he says is magnetism, <laughs> right? Yeah, he is like Magneto, by which I mean, in a way that doesn't actually have a whole lot to do necessarily with with actual magnetism. There was a comic early on where Magneto literally hypnotizes someone using his magnetic personality. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, like any any use of the word magnet was justification for Magneto to have a new superpower. But they beat Magnet Priest, and that's kind of it. And then I think there's a commercial break, probably. And then we jump back, and Shoji is jogging. Yes, and, and he is very excited because he is about to confess yeah. his love for Natsumi. Yeah, and he she's jogging, and he sees her, and he's like, oh, Natsumi, like, I'm so glad you're okay, blah, blah, blah. Now, real quick, before he confesses his love, we cut to the other Die Rangers, who are, like, hiding in, like, not a really. toy train They're not that's hiding. in a playground. Yeah, like, this is like they a are thing doing the, the other... same thing that they did last time with the uh, Daigo, where they were all hiding behind a tree. This is like a thing for the other rangers. They all just creep on each other, and I think it's weird. Like, I guess they don't have other friends, dude. Maybe. But I mean, whatever... we already established that Shoji only knows one girl. Yeah. So whatever the case is, the other rangers are totally there. Like, watching. oh, you think he's gonna do it? Oh, I tried to talk him out of it because oh, this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> so he sees Natsumi, and he is about to confess his love. And she's like, "Oh, Shoji-san, thank you so much." And he's like, "What? For for what?" And she says, "Your brave words. I don't. I maybe the brave words from the beginning of the episode. You mean where life was a one-two punch? Yeah, that one." He says, she says, your brave words gave me, like, the courage or something to confess my feelings for Senpai from the boxing gym. And Shoji's like, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm super into this other dude who is a boxer. And, like, your brave words <laughs> encouraged me that I should confess my feelings for him. And now we're very happy together. And isn't that just, great? He, isn't that great? And Shoji, to Shoji's credit, says, yeah, that's totally awesome. Like, I'm super happy for you. Like, that's rad. And she's like, okay, goodbye forever. And she, like, runs away. <laughs> and the other rangers. And Shoji literally collapses in the street. Like, yeah, he just like, he keeps on a brave visibly. face until she's off screen. And then just, yeah, like, falls down in his grief. The other rangers run up and they're like, "Hey, Shoji, uh, sorry, cheer up, pal. man. Cheer up. It's it's okay. You know, life Shoji... is a one-two punch. <laughs> That's right. Which seems cruel given the circumstances. Just to repeat his words back to him. But Shoji then gets up and he's like, "Well, it's it's fine, guys. I'm a die ranger, right? No time for love. Which Doctor Jones? <laughs> it's like Shoji. That's not really a." That's not the healthiest way that you could look at that. But he Hey like, man, he's got to get through his grief somehow. And if denial right. is his only trick, then uh <laughs> that's what he, he I guess you know, that's what he's got to go with. Right, you use the ammo that you got. And so he he's like, "I'll be fine, guys." And then he like runs away, and then again as soon as he is out of eye shot or eyesight of the Rangers, he immediately sort of like collapses again. He's like, "Oh." And then the narrator comes in. He's like, "Shoji, a ranger that understands the pain of lost love, something, something, something. And then Shoji is like... And then he, like, ah, gets up and, like, cheers great. himself up again and punches towards the camera. 
and then and then that's it. That's it. So Shoji was sort of lying, but whatever. Okay, so um, Dave, what did you think about the episode? What are the highlights? Man, it was a pretty good episode. I thought it was uh, fun, and the the villain was pretty neat. I think I think my favorite thing about the episode is Magnet Priest that he's a priest, like for no reason at all. I got it just a kick out of it. It was just weird. It is a little weird. And also, it goes back to our old question of, like, how is he a Catholic priest if he's been, like, magically hibernating for 6,000 years? Yeah, man, I don't know. Um, oh, I also liked Warrior of Love. That was a great moment. Bullet Shoji, the Warrior of Love. Bullet Shoji, the Warrior of Love. That was another really solid moment on my end. How about you, man? High points? Uh, high points for me was I loved the Linear Ken, like, Gauss rifle attack. Oh yeah, um, that was one I thing I remembered that. That from fantastic. last time I watched through this series. Um, and then the other highlight is Buckethead. <laughs> Seriously, people, watch this episode. Check out for Buckethead. <laughs> Just you're gonna <laughs> love it. Good stuff. Um, uh, low all points. right, man. I think that's kind of all we got, right? Okay, well, that's gonna do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Uh, before we finish up, I just want to remind you. As always, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get updates on future episodes or just talk to us or whatever, we are on Twitter at supersentaibros. Uh, if you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars and we want them. We want all of them. We want as many stars as we can get. We give you five stars every week. Just do it once. That's all we ask. <laughs> um, uh, rate, review, subscribe. It helps people find the show um once again we are the super sentai brothers i'm matt i'm dave and we'll see you next week